1: this is high level wisdom for new generation leaders we interview senior level baby boomers who share their stories insights and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments and aid in preserving their business knowledge i'm your host chris williams hey welcome back this is episode 33 Of our podcast, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Thank you so much for taking the time out to actually consume our content. We really appreciate it. And if you are enjoying this, feel free to send us an email. Send me an email, Chris at HighLevelWisdom.com or make sure you leave a comment about the CEO you're hearing this week, Brett freevert now this is the ceo of cfo systems you heard the first part of his interview earlier this week and if you're just now tuning in thank you and i would also encourage you to go back listen to tuesday's show you will get an opportunity to hear brett's background how he built the company what they're doing but more importantly his insights and his thoughts and his ideas and we're going to continue that today's uh during today's show so Without further ado, what I want you to do, sit back, relax, make sure you got a pen, make sure you get somewhere where you can listen to this episode a couple of times because Brett dives even further into his mentality, what he thinks uh, millennials need in order to not only be able to take the jobs of the future, but also to be able to lead right now. Take a listen to the second portion of my interview with Brett, the CEO of CFO Systems, LLC. Take a listen. Absolutely, I and 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 I believe that you're you're right. I I do think that some of us um kind of suffer from the way it always has been, and and cannot see. I I think to your point, cannot see themselves in a uh, position as a student anymore. Um. Um, and, and and I don't even mean that just for, you know, small companies. I think sometimes some people think, oh, that's only that only works in a small company it doesn't work in large organizations. Uh, I think uh, a lot of large organizations have even shown uh, some some uh, stomach, if you will, to be able to be open to being, um, you know, uh, testing new ideas and, and hearing new things and taking, you know, and, and in some respects, it is a risk. Uh, but, you know, most of these large companies, I would always say, you know, you didn't get there by not taking risk. So to to do that less makes, you know, doesn't make the the best sense in the world. So I'm interested in, in, in that same vein. You know, there, there's a lot to learn on both sides. There's there's definitely a lot to gain from from either side. What do you feel that a millennial right now today has to gain? From creating a relationship in their career with with baby boomers, uh, while they're continuing to to grow as
2: a um, leader, that's a great question. I think that that the baby boomers can still and do still provide some. Some of that wisdom of experience, if you will. Some of that, uh, you know what? Here's here's what has worked well in the past. Um, here are some of the things that I see going on trend-wise. Um, and you and I talked about this earlier too, Chris. I, mean, I think one of the subconscious, if 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 not even conscious for some of us, some of us baby boomers look at these millennials with a little bit of envy and say, "Gosh darn it." why didn't I have the courage 25 years ago, 30 years ago, say, no, I don't want to do it that way. No, I don't really oh, want right. to come in for a 7 <laughs> o'clock meeting. You know what, right. my, kid, I, my kid's playing soccer at 4.30, and um, I'm going. You know, we we didn't have the courage. I, I didn't have the courage. A lot of us didn't have the courage. It was, honey, I'm not going to be home until 8. Uh, I'll see you around 9. And uh, you know what, there might be – uh, uh, some some envy pangs in there in in us baby boomers. So what can we what can we teach or or impart? What can the millennials learn from us? Somewhat that voice of experience. There is still certainly value in the voice of experience um, if we present it properly. You know, if we present it with with an open mind, with with the respect respect who they are, what they're asking. Um, feel very uh, flattered honored that that somebody is that that we're at that point where somebody is coming and asking for our opinion our insight our advice um, I sent a note to my daughter this morning my twenty four four year old daughter and her son um, were shopping for and and bid on a house and as and this is classic millennial um she went and asked. Nearly everybody in the family you know um what do you guys think of this house uh here are the positives, negatives she turned it into essentially a a virtual online meeting of this project, if you will put it into corporate terms and she got some ideas some insights some very strong naysayers from from certain seats in the in the conversation um some other conversations she got feedback from and and so they went ahead and made the offer so mike and and uh, and then she started talking about the financing and second step of the project if you will and and same type of thing she got got some good some bad and the cool thing is she then took all of that and said okay Here's what we're going to do. And essentially then reported it out to the team, if you will. Here's what we're doing. And I look at that and I say, that's great. That it, it, That's what we really want, isn't it? That's what what we need is that next generation to – show their leadership in a in a different way than we would have. Uh certainly different than than a lot of the older baby boomer generation that, that operated in the command and control environment. Here she is, 24 years old, gonna make a a very large financial decision, a very large operational decision. She draws it she essentially draws it out on the board ask for opinions, ask for advice, ask for uh what could go wrong and steps up, makes the decision and leads. I think that's what we want. Absolutely.
1: And I and and I, I I like the fact that you were able to appreciate that from a a real life scenario uh because um that is showing you that there's leadership there that there is the idea of getting buy-in gaining input from others around you um, being willing to uh, not only lead the conversation, but then also knowing that there is a, a window of time that this kind of has the end and we've got to make a decision. And I, I think you're right. I think every leader would love to see that <laughs> um, from, from those that they're, that they're uh, looking to groom. And so on the opposite end of that spectrum, there is the, the 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 baby boomer who is in in some respects, I'm sure, in a lot of companies, they're already looking at their next emerging leadership. I'm sure there are executive teams out there who are constantly uh, uh, surveying their employee base um, and looking at who they're going to uh, continue to groom. What would you say that? Uh, you know, baby boomers have to gain from millennials. Um, I know we kind of talked about the, the, the idea of efficiency, but what other tangible things do you think actually from that, that, that same vein of, you know, having that relationship in a career uh, as a baby boomer of, you know, millennials around you, what, what do you think is the benefit in it and the thing that, that a baby boomer gains out of that type of
2: relationship? What does a baby boomer gain? I th- um, probably a sense of maybe a bit of a sense of relief a sense of some comfort some confidence that okay I don't need to live the the next 10 years like I did the last 30 um I can I can delegate more I can um you know I can now get some time with my family for my community for whatever um can't really make up for lost time hour for hour, but I can certainly go back and and, uh, have some some good family time, good community time. And my organization will not only do just fine, it hopefully, probably will do better than if I continued um, doing the same thing the next 10 years that we did the last five years. And um, it, it... it it probably this is a, a little bit of a different sociological uh trend but it probably will allow a lot of us to work longer which which will be an interesting uh demographic and and sociological trend that all right if i'm not if i hit the typical retirement or the, the you know, the federal retirement age, do I need to be retiring at sixty two and sixty five because my mind and body is worn out? Or can I be um, can I be delegating, handing off, really allowing that next generation or the next two generations to really step in and lead. Um provide some some good wisdom, but also really be that student and you know what I may be able to add value for another ten years instead of ten weeks and I may have the energy to to keep going until I'm seventy or seventy five or or whatever and and the cool thing for me is I see that around around the midwest already um you know there are a lot of seventy and seventy five year old professionals, executives still, and, and it's still cruising along. And a lot of them would say these last five years are just some of the best they've ever had. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, um, in, in your position when being the CFO, uh, being the person who is not only is seeing kind of the day to day health of the company financially, but, you know also providing some forecast and maybe even having some tough conversations with leadership at times that I'm sure sometimes the numbers don't reveal a pretty picture that you have to kind of go and present um how has that kind of impacted uh your your approach when it comes to the relationship dynamics that you see i mean has there been times where you know that uh you're you're working with 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 a client and and there is a solution, but that solution may may kind of ruffle some feathers of the leadership because it might be almost too simple um they they they're they're kind of as you kind of talked about before you know they're used to a a, a a kind of a, a grinder kind of approach to certain situations. Have you have you been in those situations where there is a very simple approach and it might have been difficult to get across to that executive leadership? How did you deal with that? Yeah,
2: we run into that on a on a regular basis. Um, you know, I think the the most we probably run into a couple of different personality types and thinking styles. Some are still that. Command and control, you know what just tell me the answer i 'll implement a, a a policy and force it down and and we 'll go. Just tell me what the answer is and and i'll i 'll do it Force the team to do it um, and and those are the ones that I think that we that we probably see a limited life on um because again, you just don't necessarily get the best idea, you obviously certainly don't get team buy in and then I think the the other ones we see that we enjoy work a lot more and really will be more successful are those all right let's figure out what what it is and 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 if the answer is easy, sometimes you still need to take people through an exploratory process because what the what the what I see as a simple, easy answer may be eighty percent right, and maybe there may be another 20 percent that could be improved upon to um, so also like that approach, I think that there's still a lot of value in that thinking exercise, and sometimes it, it seems to me that sometimes that's that is one of the real advantages of um, of the younger generation, if you will, that they may sit back and think about it and say, "Okay, what are we trying to do here?" And I don't know if you, you know, and, and they they also have a good persistency. I watch my son on video games, and and you know, people complain a lot about kids on video games, but you watch the persistence that that teaches. Of okay, I need to go find. X, whether it's a coin or you know whatever the heck his his objective is, he knows what his objective is, and he and he tries going here and doesn't get anywhere. So you know what? He just backs out and heads in a different direction. How much different would would corporate life, would our work world be, if if all of us old dogs could could back, pivot and back out that quickly? and say, you know what, that didn't work. Let's try it a different way. Let's think about this. And the online collaboration that those guys go through. You know, when he was like 12, he said, Dad, I need a headset. That's what you mean, like a stereo headphones? He goes, no, I need a full-blown headset. I said, for what? (laughs) (laughs) For what? He goes, because we're doing well, whatever, we're doing all this online and I'm working with guys, you know, working with my friends from school, I'm working with the neighbor kids, I'm working with uh, all these others. And, and you look at that and you think the collaboration skills that this, this generation has and how much more quickly they come to a good solution and, and, and how much more buy-in there is because it's a group solution. So right. I, I think that's one of the, the big things, too, is that so many of us that just command and control, you know, look to the look to the teacher, look to the professor, look to my boss. What's the right answer? Here's my idea. Here's my paper. Grade it. Tell me what the right answer is. and Let's move on.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, I never thought about that, but that is that is definitely true. Um, most. You know, folks and parents would frown upon the the the, the age of video games. Um, but I think you're right. Um, you know, looking at that collaborative effort that a lot of kids will put into uh, those games. And, and that is that is something that can translate very well to the workplace. Um, if you give the same type of environment. real life
2: example, completely out of the business world, but in the medical world um i'm told and have seen that that a lot of the medical schools really like the gamer kids because they've got the hand eye coordination to be able to hold the the game controller which is now the robot uh the robotic controller in their hand while they're looking at the screen not looking at their hands at all but looking at the screen and what is happening which might be a patient on a different continent and you take somebody like me that struggled to learn to type, to run the ten key, to you know, to to not look at what I'm doing. And you take the uh, the gamer generation, second nature to them. They can hold a a controller in their hand, have a headset on with a with a microphone, look at a screen, and they can por- perform surgery on three different continents. Wow,
1: Now that. That that definitely I hadn't heard that one. Wow. That's that's pretty interesting. Wow. That's really, really interesting. So, I, you know, as as we're as we're having this conversation, I'm kind of reminded of a couple of different things here that are are important that I that I think I'll, your perspective is 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 valuable on. I, I think the first thing is around there's always this line of um, misconceptions. There's, there's these ideas that we have, right? Uh, to your point earlier in our conversation, uh, you talked about, you know, that stereotyping any any group is is kind of uh, not the best thing in the world. Unfortunately, um, perception is reality in 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 business, in life, and no matter what you're doing. What do you feel are some of those misconceptions that? Uh, people have uh or the younger generation may even have of a baby boomer that you kind of feel like you know what this isn't really necessarily true um it 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 probably is is more of a uh, of a stereotype, and we we probably can do a better job of trying to dispel it. W- what would you say that thing is? Especially because you you sit in seats of influence and leadership, uh, no matter who your client is, and so you've you've seen some of that uh, through throughout you know what you've built and and how you've helped other other clients and and companies around the country. What
2: what would you say some of those misconceptions, Boy, Chris? Are? You know that's probably an entirely another conversation. What do I think the the millennials think of me as a baby boomer? <laughs> um that's that's a really deep one because i i off the top of my head i would do a quick survey mental survey of of conversations and i think the the perceptions range from you know sort of a uh an exasperated sigh and a roll of the eyes to geez here he goes again telling me i need to work hard and um and it, and they get tired of hearing that and I think a lot of us baby boomers and, and again this is a stereotype, so I'll be very careful. A lot of us baby boomers have that. You know, you're a millennial, God I read about you in the paper every day, I'm sick of it. Just work hard like I did. And and I think that, that there's a good number of the millennials that just see us as disrespectful, stubborn, rigid, stuck in the old ways. Um, you know, the, the, this is the way we always did it. Why would we do it any other way? I think there's a lot of, a lot of that, and a lot of validity to that, um, and and I think that there's probably also some frustration, disappointment. That, geez, you've seen so much, you've done so much. You tell me how much you've seen and done. Why don't you teach me better? And that I think is probably one of our biggest um failures, if you will, as as a baby boomer generation. You know what? If if we're if we're as smart and experienced and hard working as we say we are, why aren't we teaching them better, more wow. effectively, wow. more successfully? And, and and that doesn't mean let me show you how I did it. You do it the same way and and the next forty years will be the same as the last forty years because we know that's not real. but why don't we teach them to learn? Why don't we teach them our life lessons and i think i so i I think I see some of that some so a little bit of a little bit of envy envy a little bit of admiration, a little bit of disappointment, frustration again. Show me, tell me. Stop telling me what's wrong with me as a millennial, and how good you are as a baby boomer. Tell me how that what what the next thirty years might look like. I mentioned well, my grandmother a- earlier. One, you know, one of the one of the key phrases from my grandmother. She made it to ninety three, and and um, and and so she would spend time with my daughters, and she'd say. You know, you look at everything I've seen in these last 80 years, uh, everything, from going to, you know, everything from going to indoor plumbing to electricity to telephones to cell phones, microwaves. Think of what these kids are going to see. We can't even imagine what they're going to see. And, and so you take that into the work world and say, all right. The things that we have seen and the the, the adaptations that we have made, and again, you, you look at somebody like me that in 19, whatever it was, 1989, 90, when voicemail came along, and it was just startling. Then when um, uh, fax machines came, and it was just mind-boggling, and we learned how to use it and how to adapt. And then, when the PCs spread across the, the, the corporate world and everybody was experimenting and learning how, and then obviously all the, these last five years and the, and the mind boggling technological leaps forward, we have learned a lot and we have adapted a lot. I think that, that there's probably a lot of us that don't give ourselves credit for, for what we have seen and learned and the ability that we have to to relay some of that flexibility to remember and and respect and relay some of that flexibility and that learning capability that we really did have over these last 30 years and and present that to the the millennials with with the open-mindedness and and the the wisdom of grandma that you guys are going to see changes that I can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. And the key is you really need to be nimble. You need to be on your feet. You need to be, see it come and figure out how to make it one, figure out if it's, if it's useful or not. um, And if it, how to make it, how to make it useful for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I I think you bring up a good point that, uh, baby boomers should pat themselves on the back. (laughs) Because uh not only uh have baby boomers been able to create a lot of the change, um, there's been a lot of adaptability as well, as with any generation. Um I, I think it's a it's a it's a unique uh time now because um you know, technology was not in the palm of your hand as most parents um know that their children have had it literally since they've been babies. Um, so they have no other frame of reference. They don't know about the 60 foot, you know, cord in the house with the telephone <laughs> and being able to walk all around the house with it because we thought that was the coolest piece of technology on the planet. Um, that is <laughs> that's not a you know, that's not a thing. You know, a, 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 a phone that does not move is is a you know, is a relic at this point. And and, and so, you know, I, I do think there's some some validity to that, that. There's a there's more uh, adaptability that has happened. And, and you know, part of the one of the reasons why uh, I started this podcast and part of one of my own personal kind of missions with this, it, it, not just being able to transfer some of that institutional knowledge and and helping millennials prepare better to take on you know, leadership positions, but more so importantly, is to celebrate uh, folks like yourself uh, and, and others um to to the fact that yes you have adapted to a lot and you've done a lot as well and i don't think we should just kind of uh push that to the side um, we should really look at that to say that there's value in that and that there's a lot of learning. Um, one of the things that as you were as you were talking, I'm kind of reminded of is that, uh, you know, many people have their definitions of wisdom and, and I think it's great. And, you know, there's a lot of different things. I think what I have come to learn uh, in, in my life as I've sat down and I've listened to many CEOs and many people who uh, sit in seats of influence is that, Wisdom. The one thing wisdom does for me as someone who is uh, 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 always looking to learn is that wisdom provides me context. Of the reality. And so I I love it because I, I feel like as 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 many people could. Uh, find newer and cooler ways to do things and be more efficient. I think it it can the efficiency tool, whatever it is, is much more appreciated when you have the context. And the only way you get context is by listening to someone tell you and share with you and you learning from them as much as they may be learning from you. And so with that in mind, you know, uh, there's I'm sure there's the 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 emerging leader who's sitting out there right now who is, you know, working up in their company—the uh, you know, large company, small company—maybe uh, even looking to do what you've done one day and step out and do their own thing. But they're working right now, and they're they're in a in a potential opportunity to be a leader. But they still have a lot of uh, things that they've got to learn. But they're continually working hard. They're doing what they can. Brett, what would you say to that person who? They know they want to be in leadership in a company. They don't maybe they don't want to be an uh, entrepreneur, but they know they want to be in leadership. What would you say to that person uh, a, a, as far as advice and, and, and something that you think would be uh, uh, good for them to be able to not only keep in mind,
2: but to to take as a go forward from from our conversation today about your perspective? That's a good one, Chris. Um, you know, I think that a couple of things come to mind. First is a little bit the trite observation that you're not a leader if nobody's following. So you know, being in a position and and having no followers uh, would de facto mean you're really not a leader. I think the other thing that that when you're asking the question, I and I hear you say, uh, new leaders have a lot to learn. I think that especially coming from me as a technical person and accountant learning how to do accounting and complex accounting and some of the the uh the very technical aspects of of my trade provided a lot of value but to truly become a leader I needed to learn how to learn and and I'll go back to that theme on a regular basis that I think that's the thing that the baby boomers were able to do that we didn't, that we don't fully appreciate or recognize or respect. And that might be what I would advise or or mentor the the budding leader, the the emerging leader that you really need to learn how to learn. You need to make sure that you're learning And, and it may be, something soft like leadership and maybe something very technical like coding or accounting or law or welding. Um, but the 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 real value to you and your organizations and your family is going to be, how well do you know how to learn? Because five years from now, your life will be much different. 15 years from now, you or your life, your family's life will be much different. And the key skill really is learning how to learn.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think even to take that a step further, I think once you've learned it, how learning how to apply it so that it becomes actionable. um, I I enjoy um, the idea of lifelong learning. Um, I think it, it shows when we're not. Um, because we can kind of be uh, uh, stubborn on a particular way um, when one thing that I think uh, technology has afforded us all is <clears throat> to really know that things will change. And you do have a choice whether to adapt or, you know, or to stay the way you are. But uh, there's going to be a consequence on both sides. And and so you kind of have to be able to choose how how you have been flowing that. And so so, Brett, just just to wrap up our our conversation here, uh, you know, if 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 there was a a book that you would say, you know, uh, would be great for somebody in their in their in their budding career um, that. That you know is is and it doesn't have to be just one. But if there was just one particular book that you would say you know you'd recommend, uh, our listeners would actually read. What book would that be?
2: Um, I'm probably going to go with two. Um, one I I was actually can I list three, Chris?
0: Sure, absolutely. Probably
2: three, absolutely. One of the very early leadership books I read was The One Minute Manager, and Blanchard put together in a very cute, folksy, novel-esque fashion, some really deep leadership mentoring concepts. And if everybody read The One Minute Manager five times during school and, and, and five times a year for the, for the rest of their career, it, it would be really powerful. The other one, then, that is um, uh, Seven Habits you know and and the whole covey concept of putting first things first and recognizing what the first thing is and being able to put things into the into the Eisenhower quadrant of of what is important and urgent and and recognizing the need to step back and sharpen the saw in his terminology I think the the uh 7 habits is also a book that I've read probably every other year um, for the last thirty years, and I just picked up one, and I need to get the title and the um the author memorized, but it's the it's by the founder of of uh, Samuel Adams and I tell you you talk about a, a a guy with a vision, a guy that stepped out of one of the large consulting groups, making a lot of money fast track to the top, great corporate career. Um, and had a vision to create something completely new and different that just absolutely stood the, the nationwide, worldwide brewing industry on its head. Um, there's a guy that, that founded Sam Adams, and he writes also just good lessons and lessons in flexibility, lessons in perseverance, which, which aren't diametrically opposed. Um, uh, perseverance and flexibility can go hand in hand and it's it's just a phenomenal book with ideas, themes that that he that he developed that they implement um mistakes they've made on people people they hurt um uh avenues they went down so it's um and uh you know if anybody anybody wants to read it if they google the the founder of Samuel Adams Boston Brewing Company uh and his current book it's it's just fantastic so I would do the, I would recommend each of those three
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely make sure that we have all of these books that you recommended in our show notes from this interview today. And, Brett, I just want to uh, thank you. I know our audience appreciates your time, your your insights, your stories and your wisdom, more importantly, because I think. Uh, You know, our mission is always going to be very, very simple to be able to extract that knowledge, but then also give you a platform to be able to share your insights, because uh, our our audience is always going to be not only just hungry, but find things that are advantageous, because we also have leaders and influential folks who are also listening to this. And so, you know, we're appreciative of your time. And thank you so much for joining us on uh, our podcast. And, you know, you have a great day and thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate
1: it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and even this week. Listening to Brett's insights and ideas and thoughts. If you're a millennial, this stuff is gold. Uh, I'm so thankful to be uh, in a position where I can bring you great content. If you're another CEO, um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you, HR directors. Thank you for those who reach out to me on a consistent basis and tell us how we're doing, what they're enjoying, what they like. And so as our audience, I'd love to be able to hear from you as well. Feel free to find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at High Level Wisdom as our handle. Or you can simply just go to our website, HighLevelWisdom.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Now, next week, I just want to give you a little Uh, advice you might want to strap in for next week's show because next week I'm interviewing none other than Todd Cochran now some of you might not know him but I promise you by the end of that interview and next week you will be so glad that we were and I'm very thankful that he gave time broke away from time uh, during his travels to be able to sit down and interview with me so that I could share my interview with you this gentleman is great I'll tell you more about who he is next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. I look forward to being able to see you next week. Take care. Hey, you know what's happening every day. Somebody is raising their hand to retire as a baby boomer and they have a lot of institutional knowledge and you're not sure how to protect it. More importantly, how do you even pass it off to the next emerging leadership in your company? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the High Level Wisdom Workshop, the one day workshop where we help your executive leadership and millennial emerging leaders come together for one day in a high intensive, high impact, fun and energetic way to learn about how to close the knowledge gap and protect your institutional knowledge. For more information, send me an email, Chris at HighLevelWisdom.com. Or go to our website, HighLevelWisdom.com, for more information.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,